It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. That's all the government does it does. But it's us that still go out, walk for lungs away, pay for all the taxes, pay for absolutely everything. I've not seen any guards. I've seen more parking enforcement officers than I've seen guards. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to not be myself. And there's nobody going to take that from me. Join the conversation. Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing at people here who said, oh, he's gone off for another long weekend. So what if I had, but I didn't? Me, if you were a regular listener, is one of the only weekends I kind of don't extend. So I caught you out rotten, didn't I, lads? Over at the proc. Oh, thanks, by the way, to Joe uh, for yesterday. Um, he had a lot of fun, I know, because he told me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed having him in for the day. Good morning for Friday, 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp is 0833 96 96 96. And the email, opinion at 96fm.ie. Among other things, up for discussion this morning. Do you have a friend or how important is it to have a friend to whom you can talk absolute garbage? Like you don't have to be discussing anything of importance, anything of significance, anything that matters. How important is it that you have a friend or friends, but we all have the one, with whom you can talk absolute and utter sh dot te? It's really important to have someone like that in your life. So they say, whoever they are, I do not know. That is that is for later. But when I was off yesterday, I was keeping an eye, obviously, on news on court affairs, as one does, knowing one is coming back to work today. And this story uh, just keeps growing and growing and growing. So we had the Hutch trial last week, and we had Jerry Hutch being found not guilty of murder at the special criminal court. And then we had the story of a member of GSOC having come into his um, colleagues later in the week and said come here, um, I was at a party after Jerry Hutch was found not guilty and, and I, I know I'm going to get suspended so I'm going to be um, resigning anyway this is one of the GSOC investigators yesterday morning then 
A man was arrested, a man in his 60s, that's how it was described. A man in his 60s was arrested and questioned. And yet you didn't have to be Einstein to put two and two together and guess who it was had been arrested. Although the convention rather than law, the convention rather than law in this country is we don't identify an individual who has been arrested until something has happened in terms of a charge. But when you can put two and two together and only get four, it became very obvious who was the man arrested and questioned by Gardaí. Now, he has since been released and the usual crack of file will be prepared for the DPP and all of that. But it just seems to be the story that continues to give. Like, this is the realms of stuff that you, you could not make I'm joined by Stephen Green, uh, Stephen Breen, rather, uh, crime editor of the Irish Sun, and that's the point, Stephen, isn't it? This is stuff you you couldn't make up, and it's very, very serious. Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, look, it's just extraordinary. You have someone who has been with GSOC since 2018, someone who was investigating um, various uh, misdemeanors alleged uh, against members of the Gardaí, but someone who had access to sensitive information, someone who was investigating the tragic death of Superintendent uh, Colin Fox, who was the initial lead investigator into the Regency Hotel incident before uh, he, he lost his life in 2018. And you have someone from GSOC who's attending a party hosted by one of the most notorious uh, uh, individuals associated with Irish crime in, in four decades. It's very serious. Obviously, the minister has already stated that uh, it's a matter now for the Gardaí. Mm. The individual has been arrested on suspicion of disclosing information. Uh, that that, that uh, individual has now been released without charge and the file will be prepared for the DPP. But there's so many avenues to this where you have someone of his standing attending the party and being in the presence of someone he was associated with the Regency and is, is so high profile. You'd have someone, a member of GSOC, who had access to the most sensitive information. That's the concern that the Guardian would have. I don't think it's any surprise that this man was arrested because of his position within GSOC, because of the investigation that he was involved in. And it would be a, a matter for the Guardian now to establish what, if any, information was disclosed you know, to Jerry Hutch or any of his associates. Yeah, his home has been searched, um, devices have been seized. That's all part mm-hmm. of this. Yeah, the, the, the home has been searched, um, devices seized, and they will be thoroughly examined now. The, the um, Garda National Bureau of Criminal Investigation are, are the lead investigators in this case now, so there are very experienced detectives now examining uh, this whole process, but also this individual, not just the fact that he attended the party, but you know what has been his role in GSOC in the last five years? You know, mm. What type of information did he have access to, and, and will they find any traces of him supplying information. It's one we'll have to watch with considerable interest. There was another story in the Irish Sun the last day or two, Stephen, in relation to John Hussey, whose name hit the headlines down here for all the wrong reasons. Former politician Mm -hmm. uh, convicted and and jailed now for sexually assaulting an eight-year-old child. He Mm -hmm. got a role uh, that Mm -hmm. gave him a lot of power. Tell us more about that. Yeah, and no, we wrote this story yesterday and it was brought to my attention that during his time as, as a solicitor, uh, John Hussey was appointed by the Department of Justice to a panel 
of solicitors, uh, which went around uh, the whole country. And basically those solicitors, uh, their role was to act as chairpersons when uh, the Gardaí were investigating their members for alleged breaches of discipline. So he would have been on various panels. I, I believe he, he would have overseen dozens of cases against frontline officers who were accused of uh, a whole range of offences. But he was on this position, so he was you know, taking the moral high ground. He was pontificating against other uh, individuals for alleged wrongdoing, while at the same time he had abused uh, an eight-year-old girl. Now, the problem is in, on this occasion that in 2003, the Guardi were made aware of the allegation against him, but it wasn't formalised because the girl didn't make a formal statement until 2020 when she got her strength back and um, became stronger. So he was serving um, on this group while the allegations mm -hmm. stood over his head? Yes, he, he, he was there um, at least 10 years, and I think that the last um, time he was on the, the panel would have been uh, 2017. And, but the Garda Press Office confirmed that he, he was on the panel and, and he was used by Garda HQ to represent them when dealing with um, mm. issues of uh, uh, breach of discipline. Even with this very serious allegation hanging over him, you'd wonder how, mm. how that was. Was it because there was no formal complaint that nothing could be done? <laughs> That's the thing. At the time, there was no formal complaint against him. But I spoke to other um, people who would know a bit about, you know, this case. And even though there was no uh, formal uh, investigation, there still would have been an awareness that this allegation had been made against him. And obviously, Tushla may, may have got involved at the time uh, for other children to see if they were at risk or anything. But even though the allegation was made, he still continued to practice yeah. as a solicitor. So he represented many people, but he, uh, he's an individual who thought he was untouchable, was brazen, and, and was, was able to go about his business despite, you know, doing what he did. Could it be a case, Stephen, maybe we are just speculating here, that decisions made by the group on which he served could be questioned because of this? It's a possibility, yeah. But, um, obviously, um, they'll have to look back on it. If, if individual frontline officers um, who were um, on these panels when he was chairing them have a concern, they, they could certainly raise this uh, because obviously they, there were concerns that he may have had an agenda against the Gardaí because the Gardaí had initially you know, uh, looked at this allegation. So yeah. um, that will be up to the individual members who, who were subjected to his uh, discipline procedures. It'll be one we must watch. Lastly, uh, we talked during in the week about the podcast The Kinehans. Mm -hmm. It has shot to number one after just one episode. I suspect with the development we talked about a moment ago, you could be looking at ten rather than nine episodes. But it's a great success, Stephen. Thank you. You know, it, it could be. Obviously, this story keeps um, progressing. Uh, um, you can't go a month without another development in relation to the, the Kinahan Organised Crime Group. But uh, we're dealing with the, the Hutch uh, side of the, the Kinahan Hutch feud at the moment, and the, the, that GSOC is certainly part of it. But the Regency is part of the overall Kinahan and Hutch feud. So it's just a matter of keeping a watching brief and see what happens next. It's hugely popular. Shot to number one, episode two drops next week. Stephen, thank you. Thank you, PJ. Uh, by the way, yeah, it's good man, Steve. It's it's a podcast well worth a listen. Um, and listen to it on headphones. The production on it is excellent. Uh, of all the various audio uses, it's, it really is good. The Kinnahan's uh, first nine episodes up there now. There was a bit of fun in the doll yesterday, if you see it. Um, I did TD from Waterford calling the Dunkettle 
project there, roundabout Stoke Exchange, Stoke Road Network, Stoke Pringay Junction, whatever you have. <laughs> he called it a fancy pants roundabout, which will go down as one of the political quotes of the year. But it was Michal Martin's answer. I thought he kind of could have gone further. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll let you hear it in a minute. There was a lot of good stuff in the doll uh, yesterday. Um, Michal having a right pop a proper pop of the Ditch website the website that started all the trouble for Niall Collins uh, but I thought this was much much funnier than that the fancy pants around but stuff come to it in a bit 0818 96 96 96 now Joe was chatting yesterday about surrogacy and we've talked many times on the programme about surrogacy and about how change is needed in the law for 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 people who have children by surrogacy, and the campaigners met Minister Stephen Donnelly yesterday uh, to talk about their concerns with regard to new legislation. Now, the minister announced quite late on that he was willing to meet them, which was quite a breakthrough. Bernie, uh, you were at that meeting yesterday. It, it seems to have gone quite well. Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, Look, we're delighted with that meeting and we're delighted to hear that the formal drafting process of the new surrogacy legislation is well underway and he expects us it will be enacted before the doll rises for summer recess in July. So we're delighted to hear that and we're delighted to hear that we won't need to wait for a regulatory authority before people like me um, who are retrospectively applying for parentage so we can apply for a parental order. Yeah. Did you feel that he got it, that he understood? Yeah, you know, we're, we're delighted with what he has done. Um, you know, a number of years ago, we couldn't have foreseen that something like this could happen, but it has been made possible by many helpers um, and by IFTAS themselves. Talk to me a little bit about your own situation, Bernie, and your own family. Um, so I married in 2015 and look like many couples, we wanted to have a family. However, nature had other plans for us. Um, we tried ourselves and then we started pursuing IVF in, in 2016. Um, we did that for five years. We saw every specialist in the country. Um, I took every drug imaginable and every supplement. I went to every therapy that I needed to go to and um, it just didn't work for us. It started with... I couldn't get pregnant and then I had multiple miscarriages. Um, I became way too familiar with the Ashling Suite above in CUMH and then I just could not get pregnant. Um, so surrogacy was suggested to us um, by a friend of a friend and she put us in touch with a couple who'd gone down a similar route. So um, we met with them in the summer of 2020 and um we couldn't believe it when, you know, they had their twins sitting at the table with us and we were like, is this actually real? I think after all the heartache, you don't you don't believe it can actually happen. Um, so we, um, they t- suggested to us to meet with a surrogacy solicitor, a person who was familiar with all of this. So we met with that solicitor and to join a group that IFTAS had set up known as the Life Group on WhatsApp. Um, it's full of people who are in similar situations to us. So we joined that group. And um, by November of 2020, we had signed with an agency in Ukraine and the following October 2021, our son was born. So we had three and a half beautiful weeks in Kiev with him. 
Um, it was amazing. We couldn't believe it until he was placed in our arms. And um, three and a half weeks later, we touched down in Ireland and I was no longer seen as his mother under Irish law. So he was born in Ukraine to a Ukrainian yes. woman. Yes. Using your eggs and your husband's sperm, correct? Correct. Yes. Yes. And I'm on his birth cert in um, the Ukraine or his birth cert for life. My name is written as his mother on the birth cert. However, under Irish law, I have to have given birth to him in order to be his mother. So even though he's of your DNA and your husband's DNA, Irish law doesn't recognise you as his mother? No, not at present, no. How difficult has that been? Um, I don't try and think about it too much. You know, we've been lucky in that my doctor's surgery has been so supportive to me. Um, We had to have a trip to hospital with my son. And to be honest, all the medical professionals were extremely supportive for me. The, The main issue we had, we had to try and get his PPS number. That took a period of time. It wasn't as easy as every other baby born in Ireland. And of course, um, my husband had to apply for a parental order for our son so that he could get a passport. And the passport is under my husband's name only. With my son, I couldn't apply for a passport for my son. Crikey. Even though, and, and, and does he have an Irish birth cert? He, no, no. It'll always be a Ukrainian birth cert. You went on to have another child, did you? I did. We did. So um, we pursued what is known as a sibling journey. So when we were in Ukraine and my son was born, we signed up with the same agency for a sibling journey. And our daughter was born in February of this year, 2023. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, we're very blessed. May I ask, was that to the same woman or a different woman? No, our first surrogate um, was from Kharkiv. So um, when the war hit, she had to leave Ukraine and she's now settled in Europe. So um, this surrogate was a different surrogate. The surrogate is still living in Kiev. Okay. Now the law is about to change. Yes. What will it entitle you to do for your children? So uh, at present, I only can apply for guardianship when my son and my daughter hit two and that runs out when they're 18 so the new law will allow me to become a parent of my children so that will be for life Will it allow them to get the Irish birth cert? No No So they'll never have an Irish birth cert They are an Irish citizen but yes. they were just born in Ukraine Will they, Yeah, they'll be allowed to have an Irish passport and all that and will you, will you be able to put your name on their passport and all that? Yeah I will have the same rights as every other mother has in Ireland. That's fantastic. It, it yeah, seems like yeah. the most natural thing in the world, but yeah, it, it just it does seem silly that when you come back, you know, even though you're on the birth cert, you're not deemed the mother. Irish law doesn't recognise their Ukrainian birth cert, and but it will after this changes. Is that correct? Correct. Getting the order, the parental order, that process. Is expensive, I'm told. It is. So we're hoping that the minister will allow us to apply for it in the district or the circuit court rather than the high court. So at the moment, my son would have, or sorry, my husband would have pursued a parental order for my son and we had to go to the high court for that. So it was extremely expensive, you know, and I'm sure there are many couples listening in in similar situations, 
to us maybe who want to have a child either through IVF or surrogacy and they can't afford it. So let's not make it more financially restrictive. Hopefully they'll allow us to go through the district or the circuit courts. And will you ever have a piece of paper in your hand, Bernie, that recognises you under Irish law as their mother? This is what this new legislation is about. So I will, once this legislation comes in over the summer, hopefully, and I go to court. Well, that's only as it should be. Thank you. Thank you for speaking with me today, Bernie. No problem at all. Thank you very much for listening. You're more than welcome. It's great to see some progress happening in this one. Um, Kate wants to know if the surrogate came and had the baby here, would that have made a difference? No, Kate, is is the answer to that question. And I'm drawing from memory here. We had a referendum in this country in the early noughties, around 205, 206 maybe. It was Michael McDool was the one who brought it forward at the time. That if you come to Ireland from outside the EU now, which Ukraine, of course, is outside the EU. If you come to Ireland pregnant and have the child here, there isn't an automatic right to citizenship. There used to be. There used to be. But not anymore. Um, but it's a good question. There's another interesting thing where um, the law trumps DNA. This A lot of people wouldn't know this, but in terms of a child placed for adoption, so you have thousands of children adopted around the country, and many of them subsequently reunite with their birth mother and sometimes even with their father too and they have a fabulous relationship. So Mary has a child in 1980 and that child is placed for adoption and in 2010 or whatever, the child finds mammy, fabulous relationship. She has three more kids, he has three siblings and he is as much her son as any other child that she ever had since. Nobody would argue about that. The law does, though, because she can't write a will and include him as one of her children. You know the way with wills, you have certain rights with regard to bequeathing stuff to your children. Um, There's a tax thing. But her other three children that she had after marriage, well, they can receive something out of her will with tax rights as her children, but the child born to her in 1980, placed for adoption, who's now back in her life, can't. There's another situation in which DNA trumps the law. One thing we love is when people throw something at us that we haven't thought about uh, to talk about today. That's the idea of join the conversation. Start one. If you want to. Hi, PJ. Just wondering, could you find out people's feelings on doctor's fees? Two days ago, I rang the surgery. I asked the receptionist to renew my prescription for six months. I was told that could be done, but it would be at a charge of 40 euro. What? To renew a prescription? The next day, I had to request a letter to take injection medication on board a plane they can't go in the hold and that charge for that 20 euro for that letter I checked with another surgery both in the same town to be informed they charge 17 euro for a repeat prescription 
and 12 euro for the letter I needed. I understand there has to be a charge, but I feel the first set of charges there was extortionate. Thank you. Enjoy the show. There's the thing. A doctor charging you to rewrite a prescription. If there are any doctors listening who have any comment on that, like I, I have a regular prescription for, we've talked about it, you and me, the arthritis in my neck. And if I didn't take it, I'd be in bits a lot of the time. And all I do when my prescription runs out is I send my doctor a text and he rings the pharmacy and sets me up for another couple of months. He might email them or whatever. It's never cost me anything. Um, I don't know how unusual that is. Getting a letter for something? Um, I suppose it requires time. It requires the doctor's time to either dictate or even write up the letter and all that. But a fee for a letter to allow you to take something on a plane? don't know. If any GPs are listening this morning, wants to discuss those charges, or do you think those charges are extortionate? The second surgery that this listener checked with, that for the letter, it would be €12, and for the repeat prescription, 17 And look, a repeat, a repeat prescription these days is a phone call or an email. It doesn't have to be an actual written piece of paper, you know? Like, I know this because my, my son gets medication on his LTI scheme. And, again, that has to be renewed every so often. And it's just a question of we call the doctor and say he needs it rewritten. And the doctor rewrites it and lets the pharmacy know. And we get a call to say that's now in the pharmacy. And there's never, there isn't a charge for that. I don't think there should be a charge for that. Your thoughts welcome. 0818 96 96 96. Did you see this yesterday in the dial? I thought it was funny. Matt Shanahan is an independent TD from Waterford. And he was talking about the Dunkettle roundabout, the magic roundabout. I mean, the magic roundabout has nothing on Dunkettle. It's Spaghetti Junction, the Dunkettle Interchange, the Dunkettle Nightmare, Dunket Hell. People who use it regularly have called it. They tell us it'll all be fantastic in the end. So will everything. But you know yourself. But Matt, Sh- Matt Shanahan stood up in the doll yesterday to have a pop of our Dunkettle project. Minister, can you update the House on the final cost of the Dunkettle interchange? Originally signalled a snip at 77 million euro when first mooted, then 88 million euro. Then I gather it was signed off in the early days of your premiership at 216 million euro. Even that sounds a lot for a fancy pants roundabout. <laughs> fancy pants roundabout. But it is costing an absolute mint. That, that is true. He's not wrong there. Shrimi Hall Martin had to answer that. It's an excellent infrastructure. It's designed to facilitate the hordes of Waterford supporters that will come to Parky Keeve on Sunday to play Cork. And it, it'll mean a faster slipstream in to the uh, Jack Lynch Tunnel, uh, aptly named af- after one of our greatest hurlers uh, and, and a man who won six All-Irelands in a row. Someone else, I remember when, when the Jack Lynch, Lynch Tunnel did open, somebody said it would be a great 
quick way home for beaten Tipperary supporters. Maybe we all could throw that in. It would be a great quick way out for beaten Waterford supporters. Ah, uh, you have to laugh, don't you? It's a fun day game time. It's celebrities and anything to do with food. Elevadrian's one here. Kevin Double Bacon Cheeseburger. Yeah. Brad Pitterbread. Good. Uh, Goujon de Paul. Goujon de Paul. <laughs> Stephen Fryup. Yeah. John Cleason Onion Pie. <laughs> The nail in the coffin that says I've beaten Cork in the Punday game. Three in Gokwan. <laughs> yes! Take them on, my friends. JC and Ross in the morning. You can now order your 231 electric Skoda Enyaq from No DC Cars. Skoda sales dealer of the year. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Cork's 96 FM. Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Yeah, kind of sad to see. Uh, we'll come back to this in a minute, but it's kind of kind of sad to see the death yesterday of one of the greats. Love him or hate him, love his show or hate his show. He was one of the greats. Jerry Springer passed away. Uh, he was nearly eighty, and I think had been just ill for a short time. But his show was just television carnage. Like if you think, if you think Jeremy Coyle was mad, if you think Doctor Phil goes crazy. Um, no, no, Jerry Jerry wrote the book on it. It was brilliant fun. He died yesterday at the age of nearly 80. Nearly 80. Uh, 0818969696. I'll come back to it if you remember Jerry Spring. Another old television show, actually, that I picked up on recently, and I didn't watch it properly the first time. The whole thing has come up now again on Amazon Prime. The whole season, all, I think it's seven or is it eight seasons of The Mentalist. Remember The Mentalist when it came out first, it was kind of picking up on this episode here and that episode there. And the whole thing kind of didn't fall together for me. But I've gotten into season one, watching it properly now. And it's brilliant. Absolutely great. The premise of it is kind of silly. It's this mentalist and magician and former fake psychic working with the Bureau of Investigation in California. It's it's a bit silly, but there's such a wonderfully weaved backstory. It's worth it, and it's there on it's only 40 minutes per episode on, on Prime. It's worth a look if you're interested in telly that's a few years old that you might have missed the first time. Great show. 0818 We were talking log cabins in the last couple of weeks, and log cabins and modular homes and how they would potentially solve a whole pile of our housing problems, but how the planning system seems totally opposed to them. For reasons, I guess, best known to the planning system. We talked to a few people about it, both in the manufacture of modular homes, in that side of it, in someone who's affected by uh, trying to build a little place for themselves, and, and Matty McGrath, the TD from Tipperary, who is trying to get the, the, the law changed on it. But I was talking to you at the time and mentioned a fellow called Roy, Roy Long. Roy Long was on the opinion line a couple of times last year. Roy and his partner emigrated last year after months and months of frustration. They were trying to build uh, a log cabin, modular place on land where they had the full go-ahead to do it. Lessons of God, go ahead, go do it. They started to build it. They were, it was livable in, but they were still working on it. 
And then somebody somewhere objected. Someone who had no connection to the land that ever was, didn't even live in the area, objected to this. And the whole rigmarole started and eventually they had to pull down the log cabin, but they had nowhere else to live. So Roy, who is a dog behaviour expert and uh, teaches dog behaviour, and his partner eventually just emigrated. They upped sticks and they moved to uh, Yorkshire, where, where they now live. That, that, that's pretty much it, Roy, isn't it? Morning. Yeah, that's that's very much the story how it went. We fought tooth and nail. We knocked on every door we thought was available to us. And all we kind of experienced was finger pointing in opposite directions. We were going between the council, on board Canola, um, they, we were trying to get housing, emergency accommodation, and just couldn't get anywhere. Just c- continual kind of not my problem. And given the, the housing crisis, um, I, I'm not really looking at the house prices or rental prices over in Ireland at the moment, to be honest, but um, I don't think even now that we'd be able to afford to secure anything over there. Eventually, reluctantly, uh, with a heavy heart, I should suggest, up sticks mm-hmm. and left. Where, where did you go and how quickly could you get yourself set up? So I'd like to think it was my idea, but to be honest, it was my partner, Anya, had been constantly dropping hints that there could be a good life for us in the UK as as her brother had moved over here as he couldn't get work as a teacher in Ireland. So push came to shove, our backs were to the walls, and I just started looking online for jobs in the UK. And I would have taken a job in a pet shop or anything. I didn't care about it living up to the qualifications I had or anything. And I had three or four interviews within the first week or two. Mm-hmm. I just ended up getting the ferry over to come here to South Yorkshire to an animal sanctuary. And yeah, I got the got the job. I came home again then and within about, I think it was two weeks, three weeks, we had everything packed up into the care, our entire life into a, a Citroen C5. <laughs> and we came over on the ferry, started the job, um, had an Airbnb type thing for about a week. Then I moved in with um, my boss at the time. Um, I wouldn't recommend that to anyone, to be honest, but it (laughs) did us anyway. I'd say we spent about four weeks looking for accommodation. And the first thing we were blown away by was the prices. Right. And it's amazing because even where we're living now, our neighbours will be complaining and saying that, like, you're paying way too much for that. So are you in a town or a village or where are you? I am in Rotherham. Great place to live. You're in reasonable commute to Sheffield. Anya, my partner, she's working for a project management company. She's a principal designer now at the moment. Um. She goes up to the office maybe two days a week and she's only about 20 minutes, half an hour going up. Very handy. I'd be working from home a lot, doing a lot of online consultations, kind of diversifying as I still have a lot of clients from Ireland that I worked with who still need help. Okay. And it's a lot easier for them to continue where they left off with me. 
than it is to go trying to explain it all to someone else again. So you're talking about the rents there, Roy. What do you have and what's it costing you? It's always been in the back of my head, PJ, to send you a house tour just to, just to show you because my father and my brother and any of anyone who's been over visiting cannot believe it. We have a two-bedroom house. Um, it has a lovely big sunroom off the back of it. It has a terraced garden. It has a big full-size garage with automatic doors and everything. It's a lovely estate that's mostly retirees, um, very safe, very quiet, and we pay £700 per month. Wow. You'd be dropping seventeen or €1,800 Euro minimum for that here. Absolutely. That's that's what I say to people when they complain about the, the rental here or the, the cost of renting, and it's the demand as well. So when we were viewing this place, we were one of only two applicants. Wow. It was being let out again because the landlord couldn't sell it over a year and a half, two years. I see. So you've landed very much on your feet. Mm-hmm. Roy, the, the not so good news is that, and I remember talking to you at the time of the log cabin, you said it was affecting your mental health. You have not been well. No. So I've only recently come to terms with the fact that I'm on the autism spectrum. Okay. Um, it's, it's something I'm quite proud of. It's an absolute gift and it, it's exactly what makes me so good at my job, being intuitive and attention to detail and having that pathological kind of mindset and diagnostic ability, bottom-up processing and everything. Yeah. But unfortunately when it comes to traumatic experiences and things like that, then it just, it kind of tends to go the other way. What I kind of say to people is they, they want you to be autistic when it benefits them, but they don't. Then when you whistleblow, be a troublemaker or whatever else I've been called over the years. The trauma of the log cabin and all you went through that, that had a backlash when you went over. Oh, absolutely. Like, I had to re-engage with EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a technique used for post-traumatic stress disorder. We've talked about it on the show. Yeah, I had to do it because every time the Royal Mail worker was putting a letter in the post box, I was getting a panic attack. Because wow. every... PJ, you, you remember me talking about it, how every day was a struggle to kind of keep going because there was always another letter coming that was more bad news. Yeah. And it's, it's only recently started to subside. Wow. And I still have a constant feeling of that this is too good to be true. That at any day something's going to happen. Like when we have inspections from the letting agents, when the woman from the letting agents comes over, we are panic stations and we are in full-blown appeasement mode and we scrub the house from top to bottom the night before because we've been left with the feeling that we don't deserve a roof over our heads. That's an awful way to be left. Even though you are there with a lovely place and I don't, I'd say the only way you could be happier would be in Cork. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the fact that you had to go because of the system here? I don't hold any animosity towards anyone. 
I work in behavioral sciences. I understand the motivation behind behaviors and why people do what they do because mm. it's the exact same, like dogs and humans, behavior is behavior. So I, I can't hate anyone or hold any animosity or grudge or anything like that. I know that at the end of the day, we were just another task in a list of somebody's workload for that day. Um, I'll never hold any individual person accountable for the policies or actions of an entity. These things just grow arms and legs and policies are just put in place so that issues don't have to be dealt with. Mm. Well, Roy, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well. I hope that the panic attacks subside and everything settles in that way. Great to talk to you again. And I'm glad that you have and your girlfriend has landed on their feet. I should specify she's now my fiance, PJ. Well, that's even better news. Congratulations, Roy. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. You too, PJ. Oh, look after yourself. Uh, that's great, isn't it? That's an, it's a sad story. They had to up sticks and leave, but they've landed in a lovely place. They have a fabulous place to live. It's costing them a fraction of what it would cost them here, which is a scandal in itself. The, the effects on his mental health have been appalling, but at least uh, he's engaged now to Anya. I think that's the lovely end to that story. But I wonder how many more Roy Longs are out there. You'll get lovely, you'll get settled in the UK, he's in beautiful part of the country, South Yorkshire. But does would much, much, much prefer to be in Cork, but there was just no opening here for him, no opportunity for him here, no home for him, no opportunity to start their own home for him here. So that's that's why they left. Just wanted to catch up with him. Cork loves the arts. We do too. That's why we bring you the Arts House. Every Sunday on Cork's 96 FM. Hi, it's Elmarie. Join myself and Connor every Sunday morning to find out what's happening in the arts all over Cork. There's so much happening. Fantastic festivals with great events for all ages. And we'll tell you all about them. The Arts House. Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. With Griffin's Potatoes. Planted, picked and produced in Cork. Griffin's Potatoes. The great taste of home. Cork. 96 FM. The lines are live. Hello. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. 96 Extra WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96 FM. Love it when someone contacts the show with something they want us to talk about and it takes life which I think it has since we mentioned that message about doctor's charges person rang their doctor's surgery and asked the receptionist to have the prescription renewed for six months they said that's fine can do that 40 quid please they also wanted a letter to allow them to take medication on the plane going on holiday no problem done uh, that'll be uh, 20 euro please and they were contacting us to know is that is that okay they rang another surgery this same person and said well the prescription would be 17 and the letter would be 12 so the charges varied from place to place but you'd wonder like dear just says I've never paid for a letter or a prescription uh, some people then this is another uh, I have tonsillitis I rang for a doctor's appointment at my clinic. I was told I needed to be triaged by a nurse. I had to pay 40 quid for a phone call from the nurse. She then said, you'll have to see the doctor. I said, I know that. Off to the doctor. 
charged another €20 Euro, as I had the triage previously, so it was a reduced rate. The antibiotic didn't work, so I had to go back to the doctor for another antibiotic, another €60. Euro. So that's 120 quid for tonsillitis. It should be renamed as an accountancy firm, not a doctor's surgery. And then this message that some people are not taking their medication because they can hardly afford to buy the meds, let alone the prescription fee on top of it. And I have to say, there's quite a number of messages like that coming in. And I said I'd love to talk to a doctor who can maybe discuss that with me and the charges on various things from doctors' surgeries. Melissa, thank you for your call. I know you're out on mat leave at the moment, but you are a, a practicing GP. Maybe you can throw some light on this. Good morning to you. Uh, hi, PJ. How's it going? Um, yeah, I'm just feeding. I have Baby Rean here. He's in the he's in the high chair, and I'm just feeding him as well with one hand. So, okay. um, so bear with me. Um, yeah, just the points you're making there. I suppose. Um, I suppose really, it's almost like there's a bigger argument as to whether you know it's a universal healthcare and whether people should be paying for things at all. I guess, but um, you know, because I mean, it's it's, all, it's an awful story if people aren't you know taking their medications because they can't afford it. Like you know, I suppose it'd be very sad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but the charge is like to write to, for me to ring up a surgery and say, "Look, my prescription is running out." The chemist told me I need a new one. Well, why should that be forty quid? Yeah, so I suppose um, when I when I, suppose when I message in there, I suppose I was saying like, um, I mean, I don't know. I suppose I don't know what I actually can't even remember what our own surgery charge. I'm not. I'm not. Look, I'm not. Um, what's the word? Like, I'm not a, a partner. Like in the practice, you know, I'm an employee. But um, um, like, I suppose every practice is an individual private business and yeah. you know it's kind of up to each individual practice what how they kind of operate their business model and how they charge for different things and um you know so i suppose i mean 40 euro might seem like a lot but then maybe maybe what they're trying to do is encourage people to actually just book in for proper checkup and 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 then get your repeat prescription on the same day instead of ringing just for prescriptions you know just to reduce maybe the paperwork time or something like that like what what's um, the practice involved in, in rewriting a prescription yeah, so like I suppose it's not as simple as you might think. So it's not it's not as simple as just like clicking a button and off it goes to the to the pharmacy, you know. So, um, like you have to I suppose look at the, all the medications the patient is on, kind of double check. Well, when do they last? Get this prescription now, and you know are they you know is are they is it actually due now, or maybe maybe they're using a bit too much of that inhaler? You know, maybe I should give them a ring and check is their asthma okay or something like that, you know. If they're, say if, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if they're ringing in early for a prescription when they shouldn't be, you know, you kind of pick up on that sort of thing. Um, or, you know, say certain medications like the likes of um, methotrexate or some like arthritis medications. People need to have regular blood tests. And, you know, I suppose it's, I mean, it's hard to get an appointment for blood tests, as you know. So maybe they might have had them done recently and they're checking their file going, when was their last kidney blood test? Mm. You know, when was their last liver blood test? Can I prescribe this? Or do I need to give them a ring or get the, or get the nurse or the secretary to give them a ring and get them to come in for the blood test first or, you know, that kind of way. So it's kind of a best um, practice thing and it involves time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yeah. You know, I suppose, I suppose maybe, you know, it's hard for somebody who's kind of not behind the scenes to, not, to, to kind of realise that there is time involved in these things. Like, because, you know, mm. if you're not there, if you're not there with the doctor when they're doing it, sure, you don't, you don't actually see the time that's involved, you know. Take someone on a, on a long-term prescription, though, like I take prescription, I have been taking it for a number of years for, for chronic OA, right? Other people yeah. would be on epilepsy yeah. medi- med- medication and all of that. Like, yeah. You know what the patient is taking it for. They've been taking it for quite some time. Why yeah. is there so much work involved in rewriting that one? Yeah, well I suppose like in some ways that's actually the time that 
you know, mistakes can happen or there can be, you know, like that's even more important. Like if somebody's not been on something ages, you know, to kind of question, well, what age are they now? You know, like, is, is this a, is this a medication that's appropriate for them now that they're, that they're a bit older? Um, you know, say for, you use the example of somebody with epilepsy, like when was their last seizure? You know, are they, are they following up at the hospital or not? Or are they just getting their prescriptions from the GP? And do we need to be kind of, you know, do we need to be kind of keeping more of an eye now that they're not seeing the hospital doctor? Maybe we need to be seeing them more in the practice. So you know, it's, it's you know, kind of patient care. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, and like, you know, you try and provide the best service that you can, and and you know, and make sure that people yeah. are safe and the medications that they're taking and stuff. You know. What about the letter then that he wanted a letter to bring medication on a plane with him rather than have a go in the hold? They wanted yeah. twenty quid for yeah. that or twelve in another place. Yeah, that's time. That's, that's just time, is it? Yeah, well, it's time, and I suppose, and it's time, you know, away from I suppose patient face and healthcare as well, like, you know. I mean I mean I suppose I would argue there, like why can't the airlines just accept a copy of your most recent prescription that you could get from the chemist or that you can you know, that maybe ask the chemist could they print it out for you or something or or even you know what I mean? Isn't why does it have to be a letter with and a head of paper with the doctor saying that you have to bring them on board? Why isn't it not sufficient to just say, Well I take these medications, my name is on them, here's the prescription, Do you know? Mm. Um, maybe like I suppose that's one of the arguments that I that I kind of you know um, make in terms of trying to reduce the pressures that are on general practice. Like, is we should be looking at all of these forms that we have to fill out and all of these letters that we have to do, mm-hmm. and say, well, are they all necessary? Do you know, because yeah. like we, you know, as everybody knows, like, I've been sure I actually I actually rang yesterday to make an appointment for my own GP, and it's like. I don't know, four weeks time or something like that. You know, and I'm great. I mean, I'm totally grateful for that. Like, I love my GP and stuff. But yeah. you know, like there was a time when you ring and you get one within a week. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's good. That's um, the, the, and then we have a chronic shortage. We know that, and there's very few people going into GPs and going into the GP sector now and trying to keep them in Ireland. Let alone make GPs out of them is is half the problem. You made the point to just come back to it again that every GP practice is a private business. Uh, so, yeah, so therefore, so, yeah. they they have to operate as a business and follow all sorts of business rules. Yeah, so they're, I suppose yeah, they're individual private contractors to the state. Well, I suppose there could be some practices now that don't have um, a contract with the state and might be just seeing private patients. But but in general, um, most of them have, you know are, are individual private contractors to the state and individual private businesses. I suppose in terms of their you know relationship with private patients. But um, but like so like under competition law, I mean you can't be you know you can't be charged you know checking what Mary down the street is charging and charging the same because that I would see. be price fixing. You I know? see. I so see. Just, I think you know the example earlier of what will the practice you know, down the road of charging, you know, different for this. Well, you know, in one way, if they're all charging the same, that would actually be, you know, potentially suspicious or could that be price fixing then, you know. So, There's a the thing actually you mentioned, um, I, I, I take a medical card patient. People have called before to say, well, I have a medical card. Why was I charged for X, Y, or Z on top of that? I suppose I don't know. Like, I've, I, would, I wouldn't be able to come, but I don't okay. know the kind of circumstances. Like, yeah. So, okay. Because it does come yeah. in from time to time, do you know? Yeah. How old is baby Rian? Um, he's actually six months old, and I'm going back to work next week. All right. Well, will, yeah. you, will you be sad to leave him, or anxious to get back? Um, I suppose a bit of both. Yeah, I'm kind. Of, I'm actually sad to leave him, right? Yeah, but um, but I suppose I've, I found a lot. I found a fabulous childminder now in Carrigool, and she's lovely. Like, and, and he's very happy with her. And um, yeah, I think once I'm back at work, it'll probably do me good. And you know, I think he'd be he'd be grand away from me as well as more <laughs> more than me that'll miss him. All right, Melissa. Thank you for the call. Uh, and baby Rian, this is a GP. I'm heading back from maternity leave next week. Thank you for your call. In between trying to put scoops of grub into a child's mouth. Uh, thank you. 
0818969696. Morning, PJ. My doctor is 60 euro a visit to ring up for a repeat prescription is 25. Blood pressure monitor fitted for 24 hours is 80. Blood tests for 30, unless you're a medical card holder, when it's all free. But as a private patient, you're charged for everything, unless you're a very nice doctor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, one eight. Now, there is an argument made by some doctors that because the medical card fees haven't changed for donkey's years, you're getting the same now for a medical card patient as you were 10 years ago, if not 20, unless they've changed recently. That realistically, the private patient to the surgery is subsidizing the medical card patient because the medical card patient isn't paying for themselves, as in the state, the the medical card fees aren't paying for it. Whole, dis- whole discussion in its own right, but thank you, and particularly thanks to Melissa, and good luck when you head back to work on Monday. Lots of love in the room for Roy and Anya, headed to Yorkshire because they couldn't set up a log cabin here. I shall come back to that. But uh, rather disturbing reports in the last few days of local councillors in the Kinsale area in the context of the row about Piper's Funfair. We were talking about that last week on the programme. The the total upset that's down there with the fact that the the Funfair just won't be able to set up this year, Piper's Funfair in Kinsale and of course people turn and blame the council for everything. Um, We had one councillor, a long-standing member of council, councillor Kevin Murphy has said he had to go to his doctor because of the strain and the stress of the situation. And another concerns Councillor Marie O'Sullivan who joins me now and Marie, I'm sorry to hear this you you, you, you broke down in tears at a meeting on Tuesday yeah, Good morning PJ and greetings from Kinsale. Um, I did, look I suppose it was just an accum- accumulation of stress and frustration um, which has been happening over a number I suppose months now at this stage and it was I, you try to be tough on the outside, but sometimes it just gets to you and it just all came to a head last Tuesday at our meeting. So, you know, it was good to get it out in the air as well because I think nobody had seen our side of the picture, which wasn't fair either. And uh, we were being claimed really in the wrong. You know, we had done everything we could to help the Piper family, but it gets to a stage where we can't do any more. They have to engage with the executive. I know that the the issue is a sensitive one in, in yeah. the area, but... Yeah. That should be no cause for personal abuse. What kind of stuff were you getting? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm here sitting in my, in, my, in my cafe at the moment. I'm out in the storeroom talking to you. I've got a, a cafe here in Kinsale. So my, I suppose my integrity as a business person was called into account online, um, which I found very disturbing, to be honest with you, because, look, anybody who is in business, you know you have to have everything in order to operate. And I do have everything in order, you know, and I felt it very unfair to be out on a public forum that anyone could call you into account. I have no problem taking criticism, PJ, but come in and say it to me. I'm oh, I'm here six days a week. I'm very accessible to people. If you have a problem, come in and talk to me. Mm. That's certainly not fair. You know, I mean, I have a son who's away on a, on a work placement at the moment. 
and he rang me on Sunday because he had seen what was going on in, on social media. He said, Mom, are you okay? You know, when your 21-year-old rings you, it's not, it doesn't sit right. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because 21-year-olds really don't give a damn. But that's to the extent it was, it was getting. So, I mean, it is, and it, do, it does rock you. As a mother, look, we're, we all have sisters, we have brothers, we have children. Some of us have grandchildren. Some, some people are lucky enough to have their parents still. It's not very nice to see your family's names thrown around on social media like that. No, it's not nice at all. And it's, you know, it's 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 it's, it's it, when you when the, when you have sunk to that level and call it debate, you've lost. Yeah. I think exactly. Look, and I mean, as I said, we have no problem engaging. My colleague, Councillor John O'Sullivan, who was chair of the municipal district last year, went to extreme lengths to engage with the private family. We had all the boxes ticked. We had their the rent was going to be redu- had been reduced for them, and everything was in order. They had to comply with a bond. The council had asked for a bond of 60000 We got reduced to 30000 on the request of the family. And like from there, we can't do any more because, number one, we're not involved in the legal side of things. Yes. Your, your, your fight here isn't with the, the Piper family. Not at Marie, all. And, not at and all. I've, so I've spoken to them and, and they're, they're distressed about this. But I'm sure I'm, I, 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 I can only speak for... the thinking that I'm speaking for, I don't think the Piper family would have anything to do with what's been done to you. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just unfortunate that other people have used this platform maybe for their own benefit or somebody else's benefit to do that. And I think the way I look at it, PJ, is if I'm going to be, if I run for election next year and if my only thing is this issue, then I don't want to be a public representative. Are you considering... Your your position. I mean, of this? you know, I I mean, anybody would. You know, you don't you don't want to put your family through this. I mean, I'm very happy. I I love what I'm doing. I love helping people. Mm. You know, I was brought up in. A, my father was a politician. My mother was a pharmacist. I was brought up in a house where both parents cared about people, mm-hmm. and I care about people. And as far as I'm concerned, that is my job as a public representative. Indeed. Indeed. Do you mind if I ask what's the name of your cafe so people can go and support you <laughs> and buy a coffee? Salvi's. Thank you, PJ. No, that's, no that, that should not happen. That's uh, out of order. Thank you very much. All right. Marie, thank you. And Thanks I hope, a million. I, I hope it goes away. Uh, and, call, and call in for a coffee anytime you're at Kinsale. We'd love to see you. Will do. Thank you very thank much, Thank you, PJ. Marie. Take Cheers. care. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye. Councillor Marie O'Sullivan. It's a bitter local issue. It's a sensitive local issue but no I'm sorry I have totally zero zero tolerance for that kind of crap I really have 0818 96 96 96 on Roy and the log cabin and his now fiance Anya I'd like to say congratulations to the person who blocked the cabin what? Yeah, you gave Roy and Anya the gift of a better life. Roy, you deserve everything you have and more. That's nice. I thought that was going one way, Elaine, but you went another entirely. I wish Mary in Dublin Hill, I wish that lovely couple all the best in their new life in Yorkshire. I remember him on the show last year and I thought today's interview would have a happy ending for them both here in Cork. It's shameful, but such a common story now. Love the show. Thanks, Mary. And they have their happy ending. Only not in Cork. But where they're living, 
where they're living is a stunningly beautiful part of the world. So there is that. The Cork's 96FM Giving for Living Radiothon returns May 25th to 27th to raise funds for Cork Cancer Services. You made me feel Every year we speak to people touched by cancer. So if you've got a story to tell, we'd love you to get in touch. Simply email radiothon at 96fm.ie to find out more. The Giving for Living Radiothon, supporting Cork Cancer Services, May 25th to 27th. You made you made me feel only on Cork's 96FM. I mentioned Jerry Springer just there earlier uh, that he, he passed away uh, yesterday. He was nearly 80, but Jerry was... <laughs> Jerry started it all. Uh, you know, the kind of shenanigans that you'd get on the Jeremy Kyle show when it was on and Dr. Phil, the less said about him, the better... Um, he was kind of the start of reality TV. Um, and it was it was mad, 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 mad stuff. Mad, mad stuff. And it's never quite been repeated, I don't think. You couldn't repeat an awful lot of it and nobody else would have gotten away with it except Jerry. Like, there was stuff like this. This is when Jerry learned a lesson about love in the Deep South. Um, Ryan was on the show to discuss his problems. Listen to this. And that's what would happen. Security would come in from all sides. They would poke hell out of each other on the television. Um, and they would fight for a few minutes and then they'd be separated and security would eventually get control of it and, and the conversation would continue. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It was demented stuff. Absolutely. You actually could not possibly get away with it now in this more enlightened world of ours. We now think a lot harder about the stuff that we put on live telly or even pre-recorded telly. But heck, in its day, it was compulsive listening. Jerry Springer, one of the broadcasting greats, gone to that great studio in the sky. Now, Cormac Desmond joins me. Cormac, your brother, uh, Anthony, Tony, 
is seriously ill in China. Uh, bring me up to speed. Good morning to you. Morning, PJ. Um, yeah, that's right. He's um, on. He's in a coma in China after uh, he acquired a head injury after a fall on the 26th of February. So um, he had some fairly serious head injuries. Um, it, it's been operated on twice now, and yeah, it's about nine weeks now. So um, we're waiting for him to wake up, really. Um, Tell me a little yeah. bit about him. He's been in China for for over a decade, I think. Yeah, yeah. So he went over first, um, like he went back to college. Uh, he's 58 now. He went back to college and did a, um, went back to UCC and then did a master's in Chinese culture and enterprise. So he went over to China as uh, on a placement as part of that and he really liked it. So he... He um, got a job as an English teacher, did a TESOL, and he's been teaching English since, uh, well, since 2012. Um, is he in yeah. a major city or a town? Where is he? Yeah, yeah. It's Shenzhen. It's just over the border from Hong Kong, so okay. it's, it's the third biggest city in China. But, okay. you know, I'm sure I'd never heard of it before he moved over. Yeah, I would have thought it was a sauce for a curry, like yourself. You know? <laughs> but but he, so the 26th of February, what happened to him? Uh, so he's come, he was coming home from a social occasion, um, an open mic night, and he lost his balance. Fell, he was walking up a slope, um, and lost his balance, fell back, and hit the back of his head off the ground. Basically, it, 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 it's uh, he was on his own, but CCTV shows that he was that that it was just it was just an accident, and um, you know there was no one else involved. Um, Who found him, or was he there for a while? Um, so he he was there for about uh, uh, well, I reckon thirty minutes was the the longest he was waiting, you know, before an actual ambulance came along. So some so somebody found him, like a shopkeeper, and um, yeah, that's what I mean. Was was he there a long time before he was found? About about half an hour. So okay. it wasn't you know like it's a pretty busy place. So he wouldn't be kind of uh, it wouldn't be long before someone would find you. Which is which is a good thing. Good yeah, thing. yeah. So he's been in a, a coma since, has he? That's right, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, like he's uh, he's in a high. He moved out of ICU. He's off life support. He's in a, a high dependency unit. Um, so he like he's been intervened or uh, he's been tube fed, right. uh, but he's breathing independently. Um, and there is some movement. There's some. Involuntary eye opening and stuff like that. So that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, definitely. But they don't know the extent of the damage, uh, so to speak, until he actually does wake up. Are exactly, they are they are yeah. they confident that he will eventually? They are. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, you know, they've they don't like they don't they don't like to give any kind of uh, any definite, or they don't want to get your hopes up. I mean, there's still a chance he can never wake up, yes. but they're. They're, you know, they've indicated to us they're confident he'll he will wake up. That's good. That's, um, that's good. Well, we just don't know what, um, yeah, what the re- what the long term result will be, what functionality he'll have back. You know, how how easy or difficult is it to communicate with with the hospital? I mean, 
The language dif- um, is there a la- there must be a language barrier, surely, isn't there? It, there is, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose we're lucky in that you know he has friends over there who um, they can speak Chinese, they can help us translate. His work colleagues have been really good. The Irish Embassy in China have been really good helping us translate. But and and you know, like I had the, the Chinese have a kind of a version of. It's like we or it's like um, WhatsApp, uh, Revolut, Facebook all rolled into one. So I had that because that was the easiest way to contact with Tony. So we're communicating with the doctor via that, and he translates things for you. But stuff gets lost in translation. So there's nothing like you know. It would be great if you're able to just pick up the phone and have a in-depth chat with him. But that's that's kind of missing. Like you know. I know. I know. No. You have set up a GoFundMe because the obvious aim, the eventual aim, is to get him yeah. home. But that is going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, we're hoping that he'll be mobile when he's like when he's coming home. You know, like that he he might just need a wheelchair. Yes, and someone accompanying him. I mean, or or well, you know even better able to just come home on his own but that's kind of like you know obviously we'd we'd help him home but you know the chances are he'll need a lot of rehabilitation after so um, yeah and the worst case scenario then is um, an air ambulance which is um, you know you're basically chartering a flight and you could be talking 150,000 for that so we're just you know if 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 that's the case, we we just have to um, uh, uh, go to a different level. Of I know, I know, I know. I know. You, you don't whatever. really know a time scale here. It could be a couple of months. It could be a few weeks. It could be yeah, yeah. But you yeah. have to. I mean, has anyone like, been able to go out to him, Cormac? Yeah, yeah. Like I went out um, as soon as I heard. Um, yeah, it was like I was able to get a visa. Um, fairly quickly with mm-hmm. uh, from the Chinese embassy in Dublin and the Irish embassy in China kind of helped with that as well. My there's another brother in London, so he's uh, it took him a while to get the to get his visa. It's much Chinese embassy in London is much busier, but um, it kind of worked out better because I went out for a few weeks and then my brother went out as I was coming back. So we had someone there for you know the first six weeks. Mm-hmm. And, um, but no, we're kind of hoping that, well, we're hoping that he'll start waking up and then, and one of us will be there for that. Yeah. You, you were able to get out and like be by his bed and all that. Yeah. Yeah. But even then, no, it's, you're still restricted in the time you can spend like in a high dependency unit or in an ICU. Mm you Are there know, still COVID restrictions, Cormac and Shenzhen? Not really. It's um, you have to wear a mask on the on the underground. Well, you don't really actually. A lot mm. of people do. Um, you have to wear one in a hospital. Yes, that's a, what I'm a, 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 After that, it's you need to make a declaration and have a COVID test on your flight in. I see. So I see. It's, uh, if this had happened maybe two months ago, it would have been impossible to get there. Imagine if it happened a year ago. Oh, like, yeah, forget about it. Uh, there'd be no one getting in. Yeah, yeah. So, you've set this up. It's an I donate page, I think. Uh, help for, right, help yeah. for Tony. 
Um, the idea is to try and crowdfund. It's it's, it's standing at around eleven thousand and something, eleven thousand six hundred and thirty-five yeah, raised yeah. at the moment, um, and that's without a whole pile of publicity, which hopefully from from this day forward you'll get because it's a it's it's a tragic story. I, have you been? I know that the, you, you've been dealing with the Department of, of Foreign Affairs, but I'm sure you'll know uh, Michal Martin's job is Minister for Foreign Affairs at the moment. Yeah. You've been in touch with his office to see can they render any assistance? Yeah, well, we, we have been in touch, um, so they're, they're aware of the case, all right? Um, and, you know, like the, they're in touch with the HSE and, and the MC. So uh, I suppose until like we know what his needs are and stuff, um, yeah, we're hoping they'll get a bit more involved. But it's, it's still important to put some funds aside so that when getting him home happens or whatever happens, there's a couple yeah. of quid there to put your put your hands on. What we're going to do, Cormac, is following this conversation, we're going to um, share the details of the crowdfund and everything else with all of our colleagues in the print media who, who hopefully will pick up on it um, because it's 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 just a... It could happen. You see, it could be. And I think this is why pe- this resonates with people, Cormac. It could be any of us tomorrow. Those of us who have friends, family, overseas. It could be any of us tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Any closest brothers? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I mean, there's just three of us. You know, our parents passed away years ago, so okay. we're we'd be fairly. Um, we'd be in touch regularly enough. For you know, obviously we're in different countries, but. Yeah, we um no like I wish I'd gone out and visited him before this <laughs> you know, like know. seeing his life over there it was uh it, like you know, and his friends it's He he just went out was it, just went out in a placement and as part of his course and literally fell in love with the place, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's um and you know, I suppose it's just it's there's uh, it's a very young city, uh, it's a migrant city. Um it, it there's a lot of opportunity there, you know, and it, it's a, it, kind of an exciting place. Like so, sounds it. And he loves he loves uh, he loves gadgets. <laughs> he loves his electronic gadgets. So, and what was um, it? You said he went back to college to do this this masters in culture and not Chinese. What attracted him to that? Um, well, I no, I don't like. Uh, it was just because he'd done he con he'd gone back to do uh, an undergraduate right. uh, philosophy in English, and he was. You know, he was kind of he was hoping to continue, and this looked like well a great opportunity and very interesting as well. And, and so, it, uh, and so it turned out to be until this tragedy yeah, happened. Exactly. Are you going to try and get out there again? Yeah, um, like as soon as we hear that, you know, there's some uh, that there's some signs of him regaining consciousness. Uh, I want to be there, you know. But I mean, if it, it, I suppose also if it if it just keeps going on, you know, I'll try and get out there as well because you'd be moving to a general ward where there'll be um, visiting hours will be uh, a lot more relaxed. Yes. Um, that'll be next week, so you'd be able to sit by his bed or whatever. Oh, he'll be on a general more. ward next week. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, that's uh, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Because he had an operation recently, and that's I think that's their last kind of surgical intervention they're basically kind of repairing um, it's a kind of a, a, a titanium mesh that kind of thing so, I see and have they I know you said we won't know the full extent 
until he wakes up, but, but have they been able to give you a, a guesstimate as to, as to whether he will be okay or what? Um, like, I suppose at the start, they kind of, you know, they said there's there might be a, a 5-10% chance of him um, having no, like waking up and, you know, not uh, I'm going back to no his kind of classy, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but even then, it takes ages to wake up from what I've been reading and it takes a lot of rehabilitation as well. Time will tell it up. But the, the news so far, so far, the news, yeah. the news is good. You just, yeah. yeah. You just need to put a plan in place for him. Well, as I said, um, this interview will go uh, podcasted and we will also share the crowdfunded the I Donate page with all of our colleagues in the in the wider print media and we wish yeah. you well and we'd love to keep in touch and see when there is any news. Fantastic, PJ. Thank you and uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's uh, responded so far as well. It's just been amazing, you know. All right. All right. All right. Cormac, take care. Uh, take care. Look after yourself. Um, it could be any of us tomorrow. Any of us who have people overseas, brothers or sisters or sons or daughters or cousins or friends. It could be any of us overseas. Uh, that's why it's such a human story. We'll share that um, crowdfunder. The, the idea is, the hope is he'll eventually get home. The hope is he'll make a full recovery or as best recovery as he can possibly make and the family are going to need to be able to put their hands on some money uh, to get him home um, so that's why we're sharing it Join the conversation Email opinion at 96fm.ie This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan Cork's 96FM 0818969696 It almost sounds like something you do on hospital radio but I heard a fellow talking about this the other day about biscuits that you drunk into your tea I mean I know, I know, I know but I will be watching the snooker for the weekend and one thing that will happen while I'm watching the snooker is much coffee will be drank and many biscuits will be it. <laughs> and I will be purchasing on my way home dark chocolate digestives. They're the biscuit that I love to dunk into a coffee or a tea. Oh, and ginger snap. Ginger, what they call them? Ginger nuts. Yeah, ginger nuts. They're about the only biscuit left that doesn't cost a week's wages. Ginger nuts. Drop them into a into a coffee while I'm watching the snooker. Have you a favourite? I know it sounds so hospital, but just for the crack, it's Friday. Would you be a, a hobnobber? A what? No, not a nobber. Not a no, stop. Not a no, a hobnobber. Yeah. Jaffa cake. I, I can't. I think Jaffa cake dipped in coffee would be disgusting or tea would be disgusting. Bourbon creams. Malt. Oh, there's my son's favourite. Malted milk would be my son's favourite in a cup of tea. Yeah. Biscuits. Go on, I know. The minds are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Cox 96FM. Something I forgot to mention earlier on, but it really triggered me this morning. I heard it coming in on the morning news. There was that terrible crash, really tragic road accident yesterday 
was in, in County Tyrone there near the border. Three members of one family killed in that terrible, terrible accident. But what really had me gripping the steering wheel this morning going, I don't believe it, was guards having to say to people, please don't put pictures on Facebook. Like, have we completely lost what few marbles we had left with regard to social media to think that a tragic accident and you want to make a bloody name for yourself with clicks and likes and shares for a graphic photograph of the crash site and the crash scene? Like what? You should be taken off social media, have your phone taken off you, have it put under a JCB and you barred from social media for life for that kind of crack as far as I'm concerned and the fact that the guards have to ask people not to do it is just even worse but sorry I'm on a rant this is the kind of rant you'd have actually with your best friend isn't it um, and which leads me nicely on to our next topic of conversation on the opinion line I mentioned it during the morning we all have those friends those close friends I would have I think in drilling it down you'd all have the half a dozen friends without whom your life just would not be the same. But there's, there's a couple in everybody's life. With me, there'd be two lads. Two lads with whom one of them we've been friends for... Actually, we're going to be celebrating in August, um, around the time of his birthday. We've been friends for 40 years, um, the two of us. And then there's another guy. It's pretty close that is Two friends of mine. We've been friends, like I said, for decades and when we meet and go out and have a few pints and just chew the fat we, we first of all we'd, we'd have each other's backs like day or night black or white we'd have each other's backs but when we go out either of us or the three of us we haven't met as a threesome for junkies years we, we talk absolute crap I mean just utter BS for hours at a time and Kirsty Blake Knox had been writing about this in in the Irish Independent, and I agree with you, Kirsty. If it wasn't for the fact that the, either of us can sit talking high to each other for hours, I don't think we'd be as close as friends when push comes to shove. Good morning. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. How's it going? Yeah. Um. I I kind of wrote the article because I was um coming across a lot of articles and uh, and kind of um videos on social media which were suggesting that you kind of do regular friendship pruning or uh, doing uh, kind of uh, these videos on the ways that you should break up with friends and the reasons cited that you might want to break up with friends that on these videos and in these articles are for people talking too much about when stuff is going well in their life, which has been dubbed success bombing. If yeah. someone, you know, gets a new job or a new partner or goes on a fancy pants holiday and comes back talking about it nonstop. Um, and then also if people talk uh, too much when stuff is going so well in their life. So it's called emotional dumping. And that's if they break up with the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whatever, and they're kind of talking a lot about it. And, a lot of people were suggesting that if this happens, it can be very um, draining for the person who has to listen and that it's well within kind of you should really consider drawing a line in the sand and formally ending the friendship. And it just seemed so brutal to me because, like you said, if I kind of said to my close friends, new rule, we can't talk about anything too emotional or anything too serious or, you know, it would make a lot of our like we'd have 
very little to talk about, you know? Yeah. And I just kind of think a lot, like you said, of friendship. It's like, you know, there's a lot of, um, we have to be a bit more malleable about things like this, you know? Um, and you kind of need to be there for people, not just when the friendship is directly of benefit to you. You kind of need to be a sounding board sometimes. Mm. And, uh, and that kind of, talking endlessly about stuff is a real integral part of um, friendship for me. Mm. I mean, we would yeah. talk, my, me and my friends, we talk for hours about nothing. I mean, yeah, nothing. Absolutely. But, but then something will come up and you'd say, by the way, how is your dad? Or yeah, did you yeah. ever find out, David, did you ever find out what was going on there? And the conversation, yeah. conversation turns on a dime to a really yeah, important 100%. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like the thing is, is that we, you know, I there was an article I read um, in the Atlantic, and it was saying that to turn from acquaintances to friends, you have to spend about eighty to a hundred hours in the first th- six weeks of meeting someone, um, with them. So that's kind of why a lot of us get friends in school or work, where it's that kind of enforced time spent together, and it's impossible if you spend a lot of time with your friends that all the conversation is going to be like really sparklingly witty and you know great laughs and stuff sometimes it is going to be kind of you know kind of really rubbishy forgettable chat and like you know talking about the latest thing you've seen in Netflix and uh, and you know who you thought was the funniest character or who do you think is the worst person on like married at first sight Australia stuff like this it's that kind of filler conversation is actually really important because like you said you kind of need to get through that before you kind of hear the important things. Where you met a person, I think, is also important to the friendship. You made that point mm. in the article. I mean, my two my two closest friends, one of them we met in we met in college, um, as as you do. Um, we just met in the bar yeah. in college and started to chat. He's from Kerry. The other guy, I gave a maths grind. I knew him anyway, but I gave him a maths grind for his leave insert. <laughs> that's how, that's how <laughs> we met. And you meet, like... Being thrown to, I've got some great work friends over the years. My God, some of my yeah. closest friends are from, or some of my oldest friends are from mm. my, my workplace. You know, the circumstances in which you meet someone, does that, Kirsty, do you think that determines the borders or the boundaries of your conversation for the rest of your time? Yeah, I think, it, I think, look, all friendships, I think, there's a ebb and flow and I think there are times that you'll be very intensely seeing each other the whole time and then there'll be breaks and stuff like that and I think everyone has friends that they can talk to and then not speak to for like three weeks and then when they meet up with them they can pick up right back up and yeah. it's like they were talking to them five minutes ago no, listen, <laughs> you know? I can tell you something now my, the, the, my one of the two people I'm talking about has been living in New Jersey for 37 years and we might yeah. see each other three times a year and the conversation literally, by the way, where are we? Do you know, <laughs> literally. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And that's an amazing thing to have, you know. And and it's like, like you said, that's built on kind of like having that ease with each other and chatting kind of like not conversation that may, maybe is going to change the world. But it, it really lays down a really strong found, foundation mm-hmm. for friendship, you know. And it means that you can like you have that shorthand and you have that kind of com- comfort around each other. You're comfortable kind of like picking up. Oh, if any of the so things we I talk d- about were taken up and ran with by any government, the world wouldn't last a week. This is the truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's a real enjoyment in that. And I kind of just hate this idea that 
if a conversation isn't of like kind of people are like I'm not personally benefiting from this like in a way that I can visibly see just that idea of cutting it off seems really kind of brutal and a bit um, you know it seems a bit short-sighted you know know, I mean you're you're younger than me Kirsty but my my friends my my greatest friends have been friends with me for for 40 years uh, close enough anyway right and I wonder for all you're talking about with this pruning and emotion yeah. all, all that like the generation on that's growing up as digital natives now mm-hmm. do you think they'll have friends when they reach well I think it's really yeah, I think it's really important to kind of separate your online acquaintances and friendship from the ones in real life. And I think that, you know, sometimes, you know, I definitely know that there are people who I'm friendly with online, but they're not the people that I pick up the phone when something serious happens, you know. And I think you really need to invest in those serious uh, emotional friendships and I'm sure some people can have um very kind of significant relationships with people online that's definitely a thing but I think um I think it's really important when you meet someone and you click with them and they're loyal that you kind of give them a bit of grace like if they if they are banging on about something and it's doing your head and I think that you kind of have to roll with the punches in a way and kind yeah. of like okay you know I, like I always think that's part of the deal with friendship. Like my, like I'll listen to one of my friends talk about what a gom their ex was or, you know, how their boss is driving them crazy. And the kind of deal is that then they'll be there if I want to, you know, give out about, you know, um, the, like the family dog or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I do, it's, yeah. it's yeah. that kind of give and take. And, and you know the, the, the quick caller? Do you know the friend that you get a yes. text? Quick call, question mark. And you yes. know... A quick call is 40 minutes. Eventually, the thing they want to talk to you about, to you, you'll get to. But yeah, there's no such yeah, thing as a quick call. <laughs> I know. I know. We all have that, like, friends, you know, and it's just kind of, you kind of see the phone call coming in sometimes and you're like, oh, God, not so much. But, but, you know, like I said, it, those, like, and, and you can kind of do, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not for a minute suggesting people stay in a relationship if they, or a friendship if they find it's, like, you know, detrimental to their health or it's joyless or anything like that. But I do just kind of think sometimes we can be a little severe, especially kind of when, it's on social media and people are suggesting try just dumping a friend like that kind of real that's a really serious thing to do so you really want to make sure you know Um, I think think if it isn't great it'll drift anyway Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but um, but I think it's um, it's also like you said with your friend who kind of makes has the really long um, phone call conversations. Like I do, there's there's ways you can work around, like you know, kind of behavior like that if it's really kind of a drain on you. Like my, me and my friends, we always leave each other voice notes on WhatsApp, and for my friends who leave longer ones, you can speed up the <laughs> the time of their voice note, so it like goes in fast forward so you get all the information condensed so I'm listening to what they say but I'm also getting it like you know in a kind of hyper speed version as opposed to the, the real life version Let so there's you, funny things you can do like that tell you a funny story about voice notes other people might have come across mm. this but I was I was listening to a young person one time um, sending voice notes back and forward like these constant voice notes yes. going on and I said why don't you just ring them yeah, oh no because when we're yeah. out at the weekend and we've had one too many, 
and an argument starts yeah. about who said what, you've got a record. <gasps> oh my gosh, that's I hadn't heard that. <laughs> that's, that's either that's either brilliant or demented, and I can't figure out which. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I know, but a lot of people like voice notes. I know I like them because I can listen to them at a time that suits me. You know, I've got two kids and stuff like that. So sometimes if someone calls me, I'm not able to kind of listen in. But mm. when it's a voice note, I can pick pick and choose when it kind of suits me to kind yeah. of listen to it, you know, and give it my attention. Yeah, the blue ticks, though. They're, I, I, more and more people are turning off their blue ticks now. I just... <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. That's very, that's yeah, smart. Because actually yeah. a friend of mine did turn off her blue ticks recently. And I t- yeah. I said, I was wondering, you didn't pick up on the message. I uh, know you don't need to know who, but I'm trying to avoid someone. Do you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it's a handy thing to do because then it kind of gives you, you don't have that pressure like, oh my gosh, I've got to get back to someone immediately. So yeah. like, you know, you know, I think. the disappearing uh, ones as well. You know, you've no record of it then. Like yeah. the disappearing ones. Yeah. It's, it's all changed, <laughs> isn't it, Kirsty? It's all changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, you know, at the end, like, there's a lot of um, ways that how we connect and communicate has changed. But I think at the end of the day, um, what what hasn't is if you've got a good kind of connection with someone and you're, and you're, you know, you, that's, there, there's real value in that. And there's value in like being an ear and a sounding board. And that can be really helpful to people. It can even be a lifeline at times if they're going through a tough yeah. situation. So sometimes, um, just kind of even if they're annoying you a bit I think sometimes you kind of just have to to kind of be there for that person it's part of of being a friend before I let you go I I mentioned it earlier on and I think I might throw it out because it's 20 past 11 on a Friday when we get some fun out of it your best friend you don't have to name them or say how long you've long been a friend where did you meet your 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 closest friend now the the go-to how did you meet yeah my my closest friend I met at uh, in secondary school, the first day of secondary school, and uh, and just instantly kind of clicked and connected, and uh, and we've been really really close since. She's one of those people, like you were saying, sometimes we won't see each other for a few weeks or or even a month or two because we live in different places, and but whenever we pick back up there's just an automatic connection and you they as well because I've known her for so long she knows you know everyone in your life so <laughs> there's that kind of ease and, and shorthand with one another and if you needed her she's by your side in half a day yeah exactly yeah. like yeah yeah so it's go. it's really like yeah but that's really that's the way it is Kirsty. thank you Kirsty. Blake Knox of the Irish Independent. The changes in friendship, this the in friendship pruning, emotional dumping, success bombing. It really does sound like a meeting of overthinkers anonymous. Just be friends, you know? And there's a thing though, there's a question for you before we pack up today. Um, we've got some wild ways of meeting. Um, I mean, I told you before how I met my missus. Uh, I spent, I spilled a pint over her. She, 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 I played her when I was a DJ and she was at a party that I was DJing at. And she was at the party and she came up and asked me for a song and I had just bought the new Prince album that day and she wanted the song and I played it. And I think what it was actually was the full, full whack version of Purple Rain, which is like nine and a half minutes long. And I played it for her and she said, oh, thanks for that. And she bought me a point and I promptly spilled it over her. And she was wearing white at the time and I was drinking Guinness. How the woman married me and have two kids, I do not know. But my two oldest friends, one guy we met in college, the exact circumstances... <laughs> I think I think he might have thrown me out of the college bar one night for having one too many on me. 
Um, and that was nearly, he was used to bounce on the door of the college bar when I was going to UCC. And I think I was a small little bit over the top one night and we had words and he said, do me a favour, F off, get some fresh air and come back in an hour and let you in. And we've been friends to, to this day. Um, and we'd kill for each other. Uh, but <laughs> the other guy um, I had known on and off for a few years um, but he was heading for an F in his leaving cert mats and he says to me any chance you'd give me a dig out on the mats and he passed and we've been friends ever since and his leaving cert wasn't yesterday have you got a special friend have you got someone Any a story about how you met your best friend uh, my, yeah the best kind of friendships are the ones where you can talk forever. The reason talking rubbish is good is because you're not filtering what you're saying and you're being yourself entirely. Yes. It's when you're talking serious topics and watching what you're saying and trying to remember fact. That's where things start to go wrong. Yes. Yes, yes. A hundred times yes. I think online has done more damage to friendships than anything else because you don't get the feedback about what hurts another person or what presses their buttons. You're right there too so give me that one for the crack it's only a half an hour left on a Friday where did you meet your best friend how did you meet your best friend the crazier the better yeah, there's another great friendship of mine um, good morning Mary if you're listening was so we had met previously um, at a meeting I think at a meeting yeah we'd met at a meeting but a uh, general meeting but, but <laughs> we cemented our friendship throwing stones at a wall up in CUH you don't need to know that story 0818969696. The cost, I don't, you don't need me to tell you. The cost of food, the, the essentials like meat and veg and bread and butter and eggs and milk, the staples of your trolley, they've gone through the roof. Food inflation is one of the highest levels of inflation at the moment, but 17% on some items, 16.8% was at the end of March into April. So the cost of your household shop has gone through the roof and people are struggling between trying to pay for lecky bills and trying to pay for gas bills and now trying to put food on the table. And they've turned, many of them, to, to Kaz Mooney, who's she's written a, a super book about planning your budgets, but there's a chapter in it about making your money stretch and saving money on your food shop. Kaz joins me. Congratulations on the book, Kaz. But let's focus on that chapter in particular because it is getting harder and harder to make the food budget work. Morning to you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, It's something that we're all noticing that the price is increasing and obviously it's something you can't avoid spending money on. You have to be able to buy food for your family. Um, but it can be so difficult uh, when you're seeing that price going up every week. The staples like eggs, milk, bread, butter, you have to have them. Yeah. You have to have you them. You do. You know, and they have, yeah. they have gone up. You used to say that a family can be fed for a five or a time, a young family. Is that still possible? Yep, I'm still doing um, weekly videos where I share a five euro meal. Um, So the purpose behind them is if you're really struggling, at least you know for just a fiver you will feed your family. What can you do? Say a family, two mama, dad and two smallies for a fiver. What would you do tonight, for example? 
So, um, so say for example, you wanted bacon and cabbage, um, you could buy uh, bacon off cuts. Um, they are two nineteen, I think, um, and then some frozen cabbage. Um, you can get some potatoes for just barely over a euro and um, you could probably also get some carrots in there so that's going to feed your family for five euro and um, maybe even have a bit extra bacon off cuts that's would you go to the butcher for that would you so i actually get them in um, aldi um but yeah, so um, they are basically the not perfectly looking uh, bacon. So <laughs> it's still perfect to eat. It just mm. maybe isn't a perfect circle. Um, and that just helps you to um, get them for a better price, which means you can fit in that five-year budget. How important is planning? Oh, it's so important. Um, it's everything. Um, another word for a budget is a plan. So um, all you're doing is planning ahead. Um, and then from that plan, you're going to be able to save so much money. A lot of the time when we're struggling, it's because um, we haven't created that plan and we're kind of um, living paycheck to paycheck. And that's where we were ourselves before we started um, taking a bit more control of our money. Mm. Something that is, remains relatively, I use the word relatively cheap, for example, would be rice and pasta. You get two dinners, yeah. have it with rice one night and pasta the next. That's stretchy. Yeah. 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 And like that's it's things like that um, planning in advance so that you're making the most of that food shop. So if you create a meal plan and try and use those ingredients in several meals, you'll save a lot more money that way rather than buying like whole new ingredients for each meal. And you're more likely to waste food. And a lot of the time, um, food waste is a lot of money going straight into the bin. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm all about trying to make the most of your food shop and keep it going so that you're saving money. Which is better, to do a decent-sized shop on a Saturday or to pop in and out every second oh, 100% day? 100% try and do it all at least as much apart from maybe your milk um, all in that one shop because each time you're going in you're being tempted like um, we all have seen the tactics you know like the big sale signs and all of that and um, yeah it's true like make sure you're not going in hungry um, but 100% make sure you have a shopping list Um, and And that way you have your plan in your hands yes and stick to it Um, because it's so easy to get caught up and once you've started putting one thing in the trolley that you didn't need um, it snowballs and you end up with lots of things. It's not an accident is it that if you go into the shop with a list and you want the the staples and come back to the bread the eggs, the butter, the milk, the cheese that kind of thing. It's no accident that the eggs are placed across the aisle from something really yeah. sexy and expensive, is it? Yeah, and and they never look as flashy as a lot of the stuff that you end up putting in your uh, basket as well. Um, like, you're never going to crave, like, the eggs. So <laughs> it's so much uh, easier to stick everything else in. Mm. Um, but by looking at your list when you're going around, you're going to be much more focused on what you actually need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you will save money. One of the best tips I ever learned, Kaz, is, and this should be, everyone should learn this, learn how to make an omelette. If you know how to make an omelette, you will never, ever go hungry because there's always something in the fridge 
you can throw into an omelette and there's nearly always an yeah. egg there. Yeah, that's it. And, and it's about like, and then you're using up the food that is in the fridge that you may have wasted. Yeah. So that's what it's all about is creating meals um, from what you have already. Um, and a lot of the time, um, before you go to do your food shop, you may even have a meal already at home. Yes. So um, I always say to people to shop your cupboards first because that could be one meal done um, before you even leave the house. Something I came across in your book, which I liked, proper storage, because you could oh, yeah. go out and buy something. Oh, we've nothing for the dinner. Run down there. You go down, you spend 20 quid. Ah, hang on. There was a flipping shepherd's pie in a bowl there. And now yeah. it's going to go off and we throw it out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and having things in clear tubs really helps as well because you can just see as soon as you open the fridge that that's a meal. Yeah. Um, and if you go hide it in something, you're probably going to forget what you had in there. Mm. Um, and you'll forget as well, like I often tell people to put the date that you made it on so you know when you need to use it for. Um, and a lot of the time, um, say your fruit and veg, like that's going to go off if you leave it in the container that you bought it in. Mm. Um, so say it's in a plastic bag, like carrots don't do so well left in the plastic bag. So sometimes just taking the time to put them in the right containers really does um, help save a lot of money mm. as well. Yeah. It is getting more expensive, but a bit of time and effort you can you can yes. certainly make make a big difference. I'll share a tip with you, Kaz, um, and you can we. Okay, we're, we're a family that eats an awful lot of chicken. We eat yeah. a hell of a lot of chicken, particularly myself and my son. And we discovered chicken thighs. Yeah. They are they are a fraction of the price of and they're they're bread. so tasty. Delicious. Aren't they? We put them in curries yeah. and we put them in. We have them with noodles, with ch- chicken thighs, and they're a fraction of the price. And people yeah. walk past, they're like your bacon off cut. It's ugly, but heck, it's cheap and it's tasty. Oh, yeah. And if you if you flavour that the right way, it's going to be so much better um, and tastier than any chicken breast. Yeah, yeah. There's another thing with any kind of a meat dish like that. When you put it into a curry or a pie or a sauce or whatever, make enough for two days because it'll be even yeah. nicer the next day when it's been sitting in and its own it- juices. And now I have a teenager. Um, that's a great tip for helping to feed um, the very hungry teenagers um, just to have some extra left in the fridge because it stops them grazing on all of the expensive snacks. Yeah. Um, and it means that they're actually getting a nutritious second meal. You know, just sometimes I think they need that. Um, they're growing and they're doing sports and things like that. Um, and it just means that you're saving money that way and they're getting getting fed. Um, It's amazing. Your book is out and of course your Instagram is as lively as ever. The book is called Kaz Mooney's Budgeting Planner in all good bookshops. Good to talk to you, Kaz. Thank you, PJ. Cheers and thank you. 0818 96 96 96. Couldn't recommend them enough chicken thighs. And what's more, what's more, the cats get a dinner out of it too. (laughs) Because the skins and... Yeah. I know, the things are come up with on a Friday. 0818-96-96-96. Tom was saying, getting back to Roy and, and the log cabin and the housing situation, the housing minister, Darrell O'Brien, has been saying that we are turning a corner. Tom says, that must be one hell of a curve on that corner. On the biscuits, 
Um, I just mentioned it. I just threw it out there. My nan used to have, oh, I love these things. I don't, does anyone do this anymore? My nan used to have a tin of USA assorted biscuits. So she'd have an old tin, like an old biscuit tin. And then they'd be full of the other stuff. So she'd have a pack of Mariettas and a packet of custard creams. Pennywise, God, do you remember them? Pennywise custard creams. Pennywise, um, oh, raspberry creams. But you've, you've put in, now there's a, there's a biscuit I haven't heard of in a very, very long time. Lemon puffs. Oh my God, how lovely were they? Join the conversation. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Coach 96 FM. Somebody says, what about people with allergies trying to feed their families? In our house, my little girl is allergic to eggs and milk. So everything is much more expensive. Sorry to hear that, particularly with regards to the eggs. As someone whose life would be bereft without eggs, I love the damn things, probably too much. Uh, I feel for you there. Um, But the milk, is it the lactose or what is it that is the problem? Because lactose-free milk is a game changer and is almost the same price as regular milk now. Um, But just a suggestion, possibly not. And of course, soy milk. I remember when... um, my lad, for a while, we had a dairy. We had a dairy problem with with the boy for a few years. Thankfully, it cleared up. But um, we used to get soy milk for him, and soy milk is now as cheap as regular milk. But but back then, it was almost impossible to get it. I remember being in Spain on holidays and driving fifteen miles for a liter of leche soca, as they call it over there. But sorry to hear that. Um, but if it's lactose, if it's lactose, try lactose. Try lactose-free milk, because it is it is great. 0818-96-96-96. The world is just a village. To, oh, before I do this, uh, there's a scam, a social welfare scam going around. Department of Social Protection. There are scam texts and scam phone calls going around purporting to be from the Department of Social Protection. There's an alert gone out on that this morning, so be wary of that. Right, the, the world is only a village. I keep saying this. Sometimes it's as small as a street. Talking earlier to Cormac Desmond, brother of Anthony, Tony Desmond, who had a very nasty accident in China, in Shenzhen in China, back in February, where he fell on his way home from a night out and he's in a coma since he is making great progress getting excellent care and the hope is that they'll eventually get him home and all of that, chatting chatting with Cormac about it. It is such a tiny world. Kate, you know Tony of old. Good morning. Hi, how are you PJ? You know Tony. I know Tony, yeah, I know Tony really well. Um, Tony would be very well known around Cork, actually. He was very active on the kind of creative scene and the music scene. Tony is a poet and he's been involved in a, a long time in, in organising kind of gigs and festivals and stuff. So Tony has a really big network, actually, in, in Cork City. And do you know the way life goes? It's kind of when people say he's gone, he's been gone 11 years, it's hard to imagine he, that he is gone 11 years. Now, we've been home a few times and we've met him. He's come back to Cork a few times for, he was back for one of our friend's 40th birthdays. He was back actually for Cormac's 40th birthday as well. So it's not like we haven't seen him in the 11 years, but it's hard to imagine he's been gone that long. He's just, uh, yeah, he's someone who's kind of like ever present in our lives, you know. 
May Day has become a bigger thing over the last 20 years than it used to be. He was heavily involved in that. Do you know, May Day was kind of, um, yeah, so, so Tony, along with the kind of creativity and the poetry, I suppose, he was also very political, you know, and very much into kind of workers' rights and stuff like that. So on May Day, after the march, Tony and some of the lads would always kind of like claim a bit of space outside Dawn Square and, you know, to do some music, have some performances and kind of hang out, I suppose, to kind of mark the day properly as a workers' rights day. Because for Tony, while he was always into gigs and creativity and getting together and all of that stuff, there was often kind of a political edge to it as well. So, yeah, we were all of us are kind of saying, like, you know, remembering now that May Day is coming up and, you know, in, in, in other years we would have been with Tony down in on Square doing exactly that thing making a little bit of a fun stand for workers rights so that was the kind of person who he was like you know You were aware of the accident Kate were you? Oh yeah as soon as it happened the word went out like really quickly so like I say though he's been gone for 11 years he's been he's been home and he's a great one for kind of staying in touch like you know so a nice baby you get a message off him and you know like he's very still much kind of connected to Cork so um, yeah, it went out straight away and like, if you look at the fundraiser that's there at the moment, I mean there's like 11,000 euros on it, that's, that's mostly just come from us, his friends and his family, we're, there's a big WhatsApp group of us like we're getting when Cormac gets the updates from China, it goes into the WhatsApp group I think there's like 93 people in that group, Crikey. this morning I I was only on the phone this morning to somebody else from Dublin, a friend of ours who lives in Dublin and she was talking about we're kind of making a bit of a plan for like can we do a sponsored walk or like do some kind of fundraiser because people within that group are making contributions all of the time but we need to start kind of like pushing it out a little bit more mm. um, so we're thinking about like we don't have the details but maybe we'll go up to Patrick or something so that we can start kind of like you know talking to other people about the support that Cormac and the family need at the moment so because I think there's things that are coming up as well that like so that when he when Tony was on to the general ward, he'll now have to have a nursing assistant with him, and that's going to cost thirty euros a day. I know the Cormac didn't mention that, mm. um, and I I think it's tricky for Cormac to talk about it actually, like you know. So, um, so that's going to really rack up the expenses. And then when Tony wakes up, how how do we get him home? Do you know, so yeah. there's a there's a big gang of us. There's already been a fundraiser gig that happened. Um, on the last bank holiday down in the cricket club and there was like money raised there and there's another gig planned in this ball being fawn up. Was, was, he, was he connected to the cricket yeah. club? Hmm? Is he connected to the cricket club? No, no, I suppose we were just looking for a place ah, where, right. because he's very much, like Tony was very plugged into like the band scene and the DJ scene and the spoken word scene so there was a nice we rented out the cricket club and people came together mm. and did the poetry, the bands played. That's a perfect dancing. spot for that. Perfect yeah, for that. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what? When he wakes up, he's going to be gutted he wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I'd been 21st at the cricket club and that's not the dinner yesterday, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, he'll be disgusted now he missed all of that. Brilliant, all right. Well, the news appears to be quite optimistic in terms of how he's doing... Um, yes. So hopefully, hopefully, and we're going to share the the crowdfunding link to everyone that we know in the print media. And yeah, and you know what? I think it's great to have this platform as well, PJ, because I know that people are. While we think we've everybody told, people are starting to hear in dribs and drabs. So some people would know, like, would know as Tony oh Edmund, some Oh my people... God Almighty! I'm sorry now, Kate, to cut across you. Mm. I've just got up on my screen here. 
Tony Desmond was in my class in Cree Street. Go away. <laughs> that Tony Desmond. <laughs> that Tony Desmond. Everybody knows Tony DJ. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for God's sake, we were pals in school. There you go now. So, like I say, Tony's very well known in Cork. He's known in, across lots of different scenes, like, do you know? He was a lunatic so. in school. <laughs> oh, for goodness Tony sake. is such, he's, he's just full of life. Absolutely full of life. And that's why we're always joking that we're expecting him to, like, sit bolt upright in the in the bed in China at some stage and go, what's going on, lads? Do you know? Right. Oh, God. Yeah. Listen, now, now the world is only a classroom. I know. For goodness there you sake. Go. Kate, yeah. I'm going to leave it there, but the I Donate has gone up on our Twitter and we're sharing it everywhere that we possibly can. And it's been Great. sent to our journalist friends, so hopefully people will pick up on it. Kate, thank you very much for that. That's that now. Very little comes in here that I go, what the hell? Um, I was in school with Tony Desmond. 0818969696. Now, before we get out the gap for the weekend, Ian Leahy is manager at Hurley's Maxall in Ballin College. This morning, we seriously did consider searching Emer's bag when she came in just to see was she buying lunch for us. Uh, but she's not. She's not the person who's won half a million quid on a scratch card. Ian, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good. When was this bought? It was bought last Tuesday. Right. Yeah, so uh, it's a local customer, to be fair, that comes into us, you know, more or less every day to buy our few few bits and pieces. So delighted, delighted for them. And uh, a life-changing amount, obviously. It is, really. I mean, half a million quid would settle so many bills. Like, what, what, you, you, have you been talking to her? Yeah, we have. Um, just briefly, you know, kind of, obviously, uh, processing it herself at the moment, you know, um, and we weren't aware, uh, to be fair, when they came in with the winning prize, um, they didn't realise how much it was, and it was only, uh, I got a phone call from our owner, Brendan Hurley, just to say that the National Lottery ran to him, and to tell him that, you know, the amount was uh, 500,000, so we were all we're, we're all buzzing down here, delighted for her, you know. She thought it was 50, did she? Yeah, she thought it was 50. <laughs> I bet you had to sit her down and get a cup of coffee out of the machine and say, come here, it's not yeah. quite... <laughs> you know, so... No, I delighted for a very genuine person now that, that won it as well. You know, it's kind of... As I say, we, we know her well, so it couldn't have happened to a nicer person. And, you know, She's going to pay the mortgage and go on a holiday and buy herself a new car. Exactly, exactly. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? And it, there's a couple of quid in it for the store as well, isn't there? There is, uh, there's, there's bound to be something. I haven't got any confirmation off the lotto yet on that, you know, but mm. I think we'll be looked after as well, so we'll be able to treat the staff and things like that. Fantastic. All right, Ian. Ian Leahy, manager at Hurley's Maxall in Ballancolic. Pass on our congratulations to the lucky winner. Um, thought it was 50,000 she'd won on a scratch card. It's 500,000. Oh, wow. Wouldn't you be so delighted for someone? That? Particularly when it's a regular customer, someone they know well, not someone who just popped in randomly. They know her well and they've been... But can you imagine that? Coming into the shop and thinking, I won 50,000! I won 50,000! Sit down there a second. <laughs> not 50.